Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, for the last three years, I've preached on the John 8 reading for Reformation Day. Uh, but this year, I'm going to the Matthew 11 text. Perhaps some of you are familiar with it. But Jesus says these words which should stand out to us. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. But if Luther were to perhaps add some words onto the end of that, he would add these words that we just concluded singing. But the kingdom ours remaineth. Right? You see, at first glance, perhaps reading this, you would think that the kingdom of heaven was gone, because the violent take it by force. And yet... What did we just conclude singing? That nobody can wrest the kingdom of heaven out of the hands of Jesus. They may try. All the world may be filled with devils. But we have the victor. We have the one who holds the field. The kingdom, the kingdom of heaven remains ours. That's why we sing today. That's why we sing today, even rejoicing in suffering and persecution. Going on all around the world, Christians are suffering for the sake of Christ and for his name. They are being pulled before kings and councils, communities. Even as some Christians within our nation. Within our nation, the United States, have been pulled before the Supreme Court of our land. They have been pulled before their own city courts. And for being a Christian, for upholding the beliefs of the scriptures, they are being persecuted. But we sing today, rejoicing in whatever suffering and violence may happen to the saints of God. Not because it is violence in and of itself that we want or desire. We don't want suffering. We don't want violence. But we rejoice in what it does for the church. Think about it. When Satan works hard to give us a hard time in the church, the flock of Christ suffers. Sometimes even violence erupts. But from this trial of fire... God makes good theologians, does he not? From this trial of fire, from this suffering, there is a good confession of the faith made by the martyrs who seal the good confession with their blood. And they give us a good example. They give us a good witness. They give us Courage to go on. Let's face it, folks. As we get closer and closer to the end times, the church will be in constant strife with wickedness and evil. It will become more blatant. It will become more obvious to us. That is the church after the fall. Since she is still in the world, she must contend with the faith. Or for the faith, excuse me. 
She must contend for the faith against the prince of this world who is the devil. But the church is not led to despair because of such suffering and violence that she may suffer. For in fact, we have many examples in the Old Testament. Let me give you just a few. From the days of John the Baptist, that is, the days of the Old Testament, until now, Jesus says. So why don't we explore some of those? What about dear Noah? I know, maybe a small example, but did Noah despair when the whole church on earth numbered how many? Eight? That's all he had. Himself and his family. That was the church on earth. Sure, there was the church triumphant, but before his eyes there were eight souls. But he did not despair. He listened and obeyed the word of the Lord by faith. And what did God do? God delivered him. It says when he entered the ark that God closed the door. God was there protecting him and his family. And now we are descendants of such a man. What about Elijah, the one whom uh, Jesus mentions from our text today? Did he cower at 450 prophets of Baal and all the people of Israel standing against him? Did he cower in their presence? He certainly did not. Did he run from speaking the truth to the wicked kings in power over them? He did not. He went And by faith trusted in the Lord who delivered him and even restored faith to Israel. And what of this John the Baptist? Did he flee when he saw the crowds coming out after him with the Pharisees mingled in? Did he run from their words and accusations? No, he confronted it. He confronted them and do you know what he said? He said, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Oh yeah, didn't he say the axe is laid at the foot of the tree? You see, no man in Christ should cower at the world. No man in Christ should cower at the bad theology but stand for the truth of God's word and uphold it and by faith trust that the Lord will deliver you from this present evil age. John the Baptist was one who spoke the truth. He was the voice of one crying out in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord. He did not fear man. For what could man do to the one who had been freed by the gospel? And so John the Baptist even went to Herod. And what did he say to Herod? He rebuked him for his marriage to his wife, or to his brother's wife. And what did that cost John the Baptist? Cost him his head. But though his head was served on a silver platter, the gospel rang out true that he was a martyr for the faith, that he died in the name of Christ, not fearing the one who can kill the body, but always fearing with humility the one who can kill the body 
and cast the soul into hell. John came in the spirit of Elijah, preaching the truth without fear and with boldness. If we look at the history of the church, we see that the church of God is in fact born out of strife with the devil. And Satan cannot help but afflict us. He sends his demons out after us. He makes the life of the church miserable where he can. But I want you to think about this misery that he tries to inflict upon us. It's almost like this picture where Satan has a sword and he's ready to plunge it into the church, but he can't do so without first going through himself. For with each gash of misery that he tries to inflict upon the church, he inflicts upon himself greater suffering. Because we know that suffering does not weaken the church. St. Paul says, we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Luther did not want to suffer the hands of the Roman Catholic Church. But Luther came in the spirit of both Elijah and John the Baptist, willing to speak the truth, as should all pastors, confronted with false teaching, false teachers, and the like. We cannot be naive and think as though the devil will exclude himself from the assembly of the church. For we know, as St. Paul has also said, that the devil cloaks himself as an angel of light. So we should not be surprised when his messengers take up similar cloaks. Cloaks of light. Speaking lies of righteousness that can be merited and even bought. For who of us, who from us, could really look at God and say, God, I bought my salvation. You owe it to me. No matter how small, what debt could God ever have to repay us? There is none. But long had the Roman Catholic Church been deceived by the devil, cloaked as that angel of light. But he did not work alone. He's not that powerful. He disguised even the bishops, the priests, and the like. They called themselves the apostles of Christ, workers of the gospel, but without question they served not the eternal gospel, which the angel held and said it needs to go to all people in all languages and all tribes and all nations. No, they were not serving that eternal gospel. They were serving the greed of their own hearts. For wherever that enumeration of sin was found, there the coffers of that church began to fill. The kingdom of heaven had suffered violence at the hands of the popes, the cardinals, the bishops, and the priests. Violence, not only physically, but also spiritually. For they sought to give the people not the truth of God's word, but the truth of their own making. The truth of God, whenever one would rise up to preach it, 
to question the doctrines which the Roman Catholic Church put forth, they were suppressed. They were silenced. Do you want to know what they did to those people who were like Luther? A hundred years prior, that man, John Huss, who also questioned that Roman Catholic teaching, you were brought before a council, supposedly a just one, right? But it wasn't just at all. They weren't willing to argue or debate the truth. They said, recant or be burned at the stake. There was always a looming threat of death for those who desired to speak the truth. Even Luther himself, excommunicated from the church, not leaving of his own will, but excommunicated. He even had a bounty on his head. But he did not shy away from the preaching of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of all sins. He did not shy away from justification given to the saints by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. This was the preaching which he stood by. And he grew into it as he studied more and more the scriptures. He considered being found guilty and sentenced to death less of a punishment than if he were found guilty of preaching falsely. Can we fear the one who can kill the body greater than the one who can throw the body and the soul into hell? We cannot. But there, after countless people, martyred for the true faith, brought before councils and found to be teaching wrongly, but not true, really. They were teaching right. But they were burned at the stake. Their blood spilled out upon the earth, and their cries from beneath the altar of God were heard. And there, from the battle with Satan, the church grew. The church grew in confession. And we have before us this day the truth of the Holy Scriptures for ourselves. To test everyone who speaks the word of the Lord. Are they teaching rightly? Are they teaching the salvation which God delivered to the saints through the eternal word of God? The eternal gospel which is held before all people in all tribes and all languages. Whenever the prophets suffered at the hands of wicked kings... Whenever the false prophets stood against them, whenever the stiff-necked people were too stubborn to listen, still the Lord preserved the gospel. And we have it this day. For no one can wrest life from the hand of God, not even death itself. So we are rejoicing today. We are singing of the salvation won for us by Jesus Christ. The truth that his blood covers all our sins and removes them as far as the east is from the west. The truth that it is not dependent upon our works for salvation, for eternal life. But wholly and completely on the work of Jesus. In his obedience to the word of God. To the law of God. In his obedience to suffer all things, even death 
upon the cross and become the curse for us. We are celebrating that today. Because though it was true from eternity, it had been lost to the church. And by the grace and mercy of God, it is restored. So we need to take hold of this treasure. Proclaim it from the rooftops if that's what it takes. Proclaim it in the market or in the grocery store, wherever it takes. Do not conceal it. Study it. Because when you are dragged before the kings or the councils or your neighbors and family, will you suppress the truth for the favor of the world? Or knowing that you have God's favor, will you trust in him to deliver you as he has delivered the saints from the days of John the Baptist and until now? God is faithful. He will help us to stand when we are brought before those people. He will give us the words to speak Because they are his words. And even in our death, may we be like those martyrs who sang of the great hymns which we are singing today, proclaiming the love of Jesus even for the enemies of the church. Because God does not rejoice in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from their ways and believe the gospel. We are bold in our confession, whether it's in speaking it to our friends and family, whether it's singing it here in the church, or even with our confession before the world. We are bold because the word of God endures forever. And it's for all people, in all places, in all times. So let us hold fast to this treasure. Draw near it. Because it will continue to sustain us as God has promised. As you learned last week. That God sustains the deposit of faith which he has entrusted to you. He will continue until the day that he calls you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now with the peace of God which surpasses all our understanding. Guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.